Hey, Startup Nation, I am so glad you came back to join us for another edition of The Startup Life. You clearly are ready to get the tools you need to get ahead of the competition. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating while you're here. Now, if you're looking for an ad-free experience, go ahead and sign up for our Patreon page, where you will get exclusive content and access to our digital products that we're beginning to launch. The link is there in the show notes. And if you want to ask questions directly to some of our guests, follow the Startup Life Podcast Club on Clubhouse as some of our conversations will start to happen. Happen there. But back to the task at hand. Are you ready to level up? Of course you are. Get ready as the Startup Life Podcast begins now. It's time to be about that life. The Startup Life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, an untold number of societal shifts will arise from the COVID-19 crisis. But one thing is for certain, healthcare has changed more in the last year than perhaps during any similar period in modern history. Every business leader has had to contend with this new reality and consider what role they have in providing a safe working environment, access to healthcare, and more. In Startup Nation, we have a fantastic guest that kind of, uh, navigate those waters and more. He is a primary care physician, technologist, and executive who serves as the chief medical officer for Accolade. He is also the author of Care After COVID, What the Pandemic Revealed is Broken in Healthcare and How to Reinvent It. He is Dr. Shantanu Nandi. Dr. Nandi, how are you good, sir? I am doing well, Dominic. Great to be on the show. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. And Startup Nation, I've already talked to Dr. Nundy right now. If my energy level isn't where it used to be, I did get the second dose of the vaccine the day before this recording. So I do apologize uh, ahead of time now, Startup Nation. Uh, so Dr. Nundy, man, you know, I just want to kind of get right into it. So I'm curious about, you know, what has COVID-19, the COVID-19 crisis kind of exposed uh, in healthcare, I mean, we were already kind of, you know, dealing with some issues with healthcare, but it seems like COVID nineteen exposed even more. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, and I think you said the operative word. You know, I think for a lot of people that haven't had a lot of exposure to the healthcare system, you know, they have called me up and asked me like, "What what happened to the healthcare system?" And right. I'm saying, "Not nah, it's it's been like this. COVID's really been what I call a magnifying glass, mm, right? right? What it's shown us is, you know, remember back a year ago, we couldn't, none of us could get testing." That's the same issue a lot of patients have faced for decades, which is it's really hard to get in and see the doctor. Right. Um, you know, you talk about the mental health crisis in this country. Absolutely. We've had a mental health crisis in this country, right? You look at the people saying, well, look what's happening to black and brown communities. You know, they're not getting, uh, they're suffering from more COVID, getting more complications for COVID. Right. Well, that's the same thing when it comes to diabetes and hypertension and a lot of other stuff. Absolutely. And so you said the operative word, it's exposed, it's magnified. So that the the common person, you know, everywhere in this country understands much more viscerally now just how deep uh, the challenges are with our healthcare system. For sure. For sure. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds us of a conversation we had with uh, Rashad Tabakawala a while back, and he talked about one of the two biggest uh, and this was like at the beginning of the pandemic, this was like the two biggest industries that's just ready for innovation was healthcare and education. Uh, and during the COVID you know, crisis or whatever, that has been, like you said, has been amplified and magnified uh, even more. So I appreciate you sharing that, Dr. Nundy, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So I wanted to ask you this because, you know, we talk to a lot of small business owners, uh, you know, on this show and stuff like that. I guess I'm just curious, you know, 
what are some things to consider when deciding the health benefits for employees? You know, that can be a deciding factor uh, when, you know, when an employee or prospective employee chooses a job or the case may be. What are some of those things that small business owners or just employers in general can do when it comes to those health benefits? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say, you know, I get a chance in my job at Ackley to talk to small businesses, large businesses, Fortune 500 every day. Right. And the first thing I want to say is for all your listeners out there who represent one of those constituencies is thank you. Uh, Businesses to me have been really one of the bright spots in our country's response to COVID. Mm. Right. I think the leadership that they showed in, you know, figuring out how to move the uh, the work uh, workforce uh, remote. Uh, a lot of businesses had to figure it out how to do their own contact tracing, right? Um, you know, for their customers or employees. I mean, it, the way that they've expended benefits, whether it's giving people PTO to get the vaccine or get figuring out emergency daycare services. I mean, it's been incredible to see the amount of innovation that businesses have faced. So that's the first thing I want to say is thank you, um, sure. because I don't think we would be in the spot that we are in today if it wasn't for for businesses and the leadership they showed. I hear that. Um, I think the other one is what I'm hearing is this has become uh, you know, more of a C-level issue than it's ever been before. Right? Mm-hmm. I think what we realized during the pandemic is health's not a benefit issue only. It's a business continuity issue, right? When your people aren't feeling right, that hurts your business. Absolutely. And that's not just true during a pandemic. That's just true overall, right? If a lot of your uh, employees are dealing with mental health issues or family health issues or whatever issue, your business ain't operating the way it's supposed to. And right. I think- that's actually been another silver lining is 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 the the c-suite really developing that awareness and really building some muscles that they haven't had before um so to get to your actual question about benefits i think i think really recognizing that that's a critical decision um that i think for better or worse we got to lean into it a little bit Mm -hmm. you know really understand the different options uh out there um and I think some of the specific things that I think about are, you know, is is benefits um, is what are the benefits that you're going to get that are going to actually make it simpler and easier for your employees to know what to do, right? I hear all the time employers say, "Well, we got this benefit, we got that benefit," and I say, "Yeah, but if you ask most employers, I don't know, Dominic, I ask you, do you know, do you know what benefits you have available to you?" No, you probably don't. <laughs> People don't know what benefits they need till the second they need them. Right. And so right. figuring out a way for for not just getting the benefits, but making sure that it's actually reaching the people it needs to reach is something that I think all businesses need to think really hard about. For sure. I mean, honestly, man, like sometimes like looking at those benefit sheets, it's like looking at the tax code. It's like it looks like, you know, like something's like. You know, from hundred percent, it's like, well, hundred percent, this man, I don't know what is this. So, no, I definitely uh, understand that, and you know, and sticking with that same vein, as far as like the C suite and stuff like that, you are an advocate of you know uh, companies having a chief medical officer at every company. Kind of talk about that, and what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think you know, look, I think we got to be realistic. I'm not, of course, not every company can you know afford to have a physician full time in their of in course. their four walls, but. But I really think that having a way to get some of that fractional expertise is going to be really important. And and I think it really, again, comes right out of COVID, right? Like if you look at every business had to take a different approach, right? Some businesses are essential businesses. They have to stay open. Some businesses have a lot of uh, folks that can be remote. Some of them have a lot of people in their 50s. A lot of them have people in their 20s, right? So the first part of any health strategy has to start with well, who's your population? Right. And what is your population's health needs? 
right? Right. And that's just like meat and potatoes. You need to understand that first. And that's where having, you know, the right physician expertise can be really helpful because I see all the time employers who, you know, for example, they invest in sort of diabetes and I'm looking at their data and saying, you don't even have any diabetes, but what you do have is you have a lot of 20 something year olds who are dealing with anxiety and some other shit. So it's, you know, it's like, it's like starting with the diagnosis. You got to understand what is the problems that you're facing are, uh, and you got to understand who your who your population is for sure, for sure. No, I, I definitely uh, understand that, and, and that seems like you know in healthcare. You know, obviously, I defer to you. It seems like in healthcare, we've been moving into that era of like really, I guess, customizing care per person as opposed to like this, like you know, herd, like everybody gets this and everybody gets that, but really going into the what I like to call that battleship kind of mode and being very specific to the person. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I think the word I like to use is personalization, Fair right? Enough, I mean, fair enough. And again, even during the, the the pandemic, I think this became revealed to a lot of people. I mean, how many of us heard a, something that came out of the CDC or something and said, well, that doesn't apply to me. Right. Or people say, well, okay, I heard that, but hey, I have an older person living with me. Or I heard that, but I got COVID three weeks ago. Does that still apply to me? Right. Or, mm-hmm. Hey, but I just got tested three days ago and that came back negative. So do I have to get tested again? You know, it, all of those things have revealed to us that the need to personalize, right. right. Um, whatever guidance is out there to the individual, knowing their medical background, but also I think a big part of what we realize is, is what we're calling the social determinants of health, right. It's mm. easy for me as a doctor to diagnose someone with COVID and say, okay, well go home and quarantine. Right. But if that person lives in a household with 10 other people and they got two <laughs> rooms and right. that person doesn't have a room of their own and they still have to work and who's going to get the girl. I mean, right. you know what I'm saying? So right. Absolutely. what I had to, frankly, even as someone that's practicing for a while, and I like to think is pretty tuned to what my patients, I've been learning more about my patients over the past year than I've ever known mm. because I've gotten into the nitty gritty. I've gotten into the, okay, well, what room are you in, in your house? And can you close the door? And, right. and you know, and who's going to get your groceries? And, and, but really the reality is we should have been doing that for a long time. Cause if you tell someone, Hey, uh, eat less sugar, but then you realize that person's not the person cooking the food at home. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, that may not get anywhere, you know what I'm right. saying? And so really understanding people's medical needs, um, but also their sort of psychosocial and their social determinants um, is again, one of the key learnings we had uh, from the pandemic. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And also, you know, uh, due to the pandemic, it seems like, you know, uh, telemedicine is, has been on the rise. Uh, it was kind of on the rise before the pandemic, but definitely we kind of saw even more its value uh, during the pandemic. Uh, you know, I, I guess what the, what does that look like, you know, after we come out of this pandemic? Like, you know, you talk about, you know, expanding that coverage and benefits because Dr. Nundy, when I think about telemedicine, like I live in, I live here in Tennessee, right? You know, and there's a lot of rural parts in Tennessee. It's like, you know, true enough, there's no healthcare issues and stuff like that here in the cities, but in the rural parts, right? Like there's not, you know, there may be a hospital 20 miles from there. Right. And so that telemedicine, you know, from just thinking about it, seems like that could be very vital to fill in those holes. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. I'm completely. And it gets deeper than that. Of course. I mean, I've had people who live in a city say, Hey, look, I got health insurance and there's lots of doctors around me. I don't like any of them. Mm. None of them look like me. None of them are like me. Right. Or I have, uh, take my mom as an example. My mom decided during the pandemic that she wanted to reverse her diabetes, which means like get off of insulin. Gotcha. And there's only a couple types of healthcare providers in the country that know how to do that. Well, guess what? With virtual care, she can now do that. 
she could now she signed herself up for a service out of San Francisco. We live here in DC mm-hmm. where she was able to find a doctor who has expertise in doing reversal, right? Similarly, you know, I know people that are LGBTQ that said, you know what? I've actually found an, a doctor now who's LGBTQ, um, you know, themselves. Um, and so I think there's a lot of benefits to a lot of different people uh, from virtual care. And, and I think you're absolutely right. We've seen it massively accelerated during the pandemic. And it's going to um, only, uh, I think, continue, not at the same levels that it will, but it, we're not going back to the way we were before. That's for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let me, I want to expand on that real quick, but let me do a quick reset. Once again, start make sure we're talking to Dr. Shantanu uh, Nandi, the author of Care After COVID, What the Pandemic Revealed is Broken in Healthcare and How to Reinvent It. And Startup Nation, if you want to purchase that book, that book is available now. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on uh, the podcast. So Dr. Nundi, in that same vein, I guess I just, I'm just curious, like, what does that look like? You know, let's just say I give you a magic wand, the pandemic is over. Like, what are some of those steps we need to take? So that way, if there is another pandemic or there is another health scare, uh, you know, or something like that to be in order to be prepared for, you know what I mean? So that way we're not necessarily caught off guard, you know, as a small business owner, as a healthcare industry as a whole, I guess I just want to hear your commentary on that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me start first with the small business perspective. Sure, I think, first of all, a lot of businesses, even before the pandemic, had telemedicine. Right. Uh, some of them didn't. And it, but I think, but I think part of what was holding it back was, frankly, you know, your employees and their your dependents. They didn't think that that was as good as going to see the doctor. They didn't necessarily trust it, and that's that's really changed, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that the whole industry's got to mature, right? I think sometimes we think a doctor is a doctor is a doctor, mm-hmm. and that's not true at all right? Like a lot of the people out there selling telemedicine services are private companies that are just doing telemedicine, right? right? And a lot of those companies are staffed by, they're not even physicians. They're like, you know, they're great people. I'm not, you know, dinging anybody here, but they're, you know, nurse practitioners or they're, they're people that aren't fully licensed in the specialty that you're accessing or they're fly by night. You know, they're, they're coming onto the system, you know, an hour or two a month, sort of doing a few calls and and getting off, right? That's sort of one layer. The next layer is some of these are audio only. Some of them are are video based. You know, videos a lot better than audio, right? right? You can build that human relationship. You can see that someone's having a hard time breathing as an example, right? Some of these services can order tests for you and some of them can't, unbelievably. So the ones that don't, what they tend to do is they say, well, hey, let's just put some antibiotics on it. Let's let's mm-hmm. go ahead and 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 send a referral in um, because they don't have the ability to order tests. They don't have uh, a medical record, meaning that every single time you call, it's, you know, it's like Groundhog Day. (laughs) They're asking you the same questions over and over again. Oh, yeah. So, right. And so I think what benefit buyers have to do is, you know, look, this has become a huge industry now, right? You look at the, you know, the stock prices of of all the major telehealth companies, how many of them have gone public. Absolutely. What we need to do is we need to start sort of being a little more discerning. And looking at all the options we have and say, okay, I don't want to just get maybe the lowest price or the service that I used to have or that bundle in with a bunch of other stuff. I need to actually look at this and say, hey, what this one does is primary care. And that's what I want for my people. Or, hey, what this one does is it does mental health, right? Or what this one does is, for example, uh, you know, do specialty care. Right. I think getting to that next level of granularity is going to be really important because again, you want to match the solution to the problems that your employees are facing. 
For sure. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing that. You know, Dr. Nundy, you also talk about in the book Care for, Care After COVID uh, about investing in customer service in the healthcare space. You know, you also kind of talked about what you guys do there at Accolade and stuff like that. Kind of talk about that. Walk me through that. What does that look like? You know, because I mean, let's be honest, you know, uh, you know <laughs> it, it's it's not the, 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 the most fun experience. Uh, kind of, you know, you know, when you go to the doctor and stuff like that all the time, but kind of talk about what does that look like as far as uh, customer service in the healthcare space? Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's a disaster, right? right? I mean, even if I think about the simple things and I love my clinic and I love my patients and I try to be the best doctor I can, but right. if you just think about the most common scenario is, you know, patient of mine say wants a refill of their medication, right? right. They call our front desk. They're on hold for however long mm-hmm. they finally get to somebody then that person says, okay, I'll let the doctor know. Then they hang up. Then that person has to send a note to me. Then I have to see it. Then I get a call back and I call the, you know, I mean, it's, it's insane. Right. Right. And so, yeah, customer service in, in healthcare is almost like an oxymoron mm. and, 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 it, and it's critical. I, I think the mistake we've made in healthcare is to think, well, look, if I make the right medical decision, that's all that matters. That ain't true at all. Right. Right. Because it's, care that's not convenient for a lot of people means that they don't even bother, right? If it takes a whole day or a half a day of missed work to come see me, right? what happens is people don't even make the appointment, right? If, if it's so hard to get a refill, people just stop taking their medicines. Right. And we right. saw this. So one of the things I saw, so I take care of folks at a, basically like a free clinic outside of DC. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my folks, you know, uninsured or underinsured, and a lot of them are, you know, day laborers. If they don't show up to work, they don't get paid. Right. And so I've had for the last, you know, since I've been practicing, I typically have a 15 to 20% no show, meaning that appointment schedule patient doesn't show up. And I never feel bad because I understand that they're, they're looking at the budget that day and saying, should I show up or not? Mm, right. My no show rate Dawson went to 0%. I mean, it was insane. Like it was almost like, I could barely make it through clinic because I was like, wow, this is what it's like when everybody shows up. I mean, right. and, and it was only because we went virtual. So right. suddenly that person could step out of the line, call their doctor from wherever they were working, do the visit with me for five, 10 minutes and get back to work. Right. And so that just, to me, it really hit home the point that, that the, that, that the experience of care, you know, you know, you could be the smartest doctor in the world, but if the experience that we're, you know, delivering for people isn't, uh, you know, what they need, it doesn't matter. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. Hey, Startup Nation, imagine a job where you can work wherever you want, on whatever you want, from wherever you want. Hello to white sand beaches of Thailand or the comfort of your own couch. Oh, and most importantly, you're your own boss. Now, what if I told you that the dream job could become your reality? This is the life of a freelancer. And with some hard work and with the help of Hectic, it can be your life, too. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers, who are just getting started or looking to take their freelance business to the next level. Hectic is everything a freelancer needs to get started. 
from an easy-to-use contracts and proposal builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoicing that features click-to-play technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. And we all want to get paid, Startup Nation. Built specifically for freelancers, Hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life now to learn more and start for free. Yep, adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life, you'll be supporting me and this podcast because who couldn't use a little support these days, Startup Nation? Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in-demand skills to good use in the way you've always dreamed of. The link is there in the show notes. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. For sure. For sure. No, I, I definitely understand that. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm one of those people from time to time. It's like, man, I, I got stuff to do. I don't have time to spend half the day to try to get a prescription refilled. So I definitely uh, understand that for sure. Uh, I want to ask you something really quickly about the book again before we kind of transition, uh, because you talk about rebuilding the trust, you know, in, in medicine and stuff like that. And look, man, I'm in the South. OK, uh, and so let's just say people in the South had strong opinions about, you know, the COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine, COVID and all sure. uh, uh, stuff like that. How do we get that trust back, you know, uh, from both sides, right, from the medical community and just the community uh, as a whole? What does that look like to you, Dr. Nandi, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, I, it's such an important, I mean, I just, it makes me, again, another silver lining, the fact that we're talking so much about trust in medicine, right? I mean, right. I feel like two years ago, all we talked about was AI and medicine, right? So Fair enough, right. I, I think, I think in some respects it's highlighting, you know, COVID has highlighted what really matters from what doesn't. And I think trust is one of those. It's the currency in medicine, right? It's mm. the currency in medicine. And so look, I think for all of these things, my perspective is it's the system stupid, right? right. Like, or another favorite quote I like I have is every system is perfectly designed to achieve the results it gets, right? The lack of trust we have isn't a bug, it's a feature, right? Mm-hmm. It's that we when you want to build trust like a service like Accolade, it's gotta be, you gotta think through the entire end-to-end experience. Right. Right. So it comes from the types of people, for example, I'll just talk about Accolade as an example. The types of people we hire, we hire people that represent the communities that we serve. Right. And when we hire them, we explicitly, one of the major criteria is hiring them for empathy. And then we actually train them on how to, you know, uh, provide care to people through the phone uh, or, and address their concerns over the phone. And then beyond that, we actually give them feedback on, on how they do. We listen to their calls and we pull them aside and say, hey, that wasn't the kind of care that, you know, uh, we think is one that, that creates that kind of trust. Sure. And then we measure it. Right. You know, when I, I remember when I got the accolade, it was funny. I, I started and I was in these meetings, people kept saying ASA, CSAT, CSAT, mm, ASA. Right, and I was right. like, I was like, ASA. I was like, because in, in medicine, that's aspirin. Mm, um, gotcha. And, and people were like, no, I mean, that's average speed of answer. And I was like, oh, right. And then they said CSAT, that's customer satisfaction. Right. We measure that. Um, and, and we don't do that in healthcare, but at accolade, because we care so much about the experience, we, we don't just measure that, but we, it drives the business. It drives mm. business decisions when our average speech answer is too long or when our customer satisfaction starts to dip. For sure. For sure. No, I, I appreciate that because look, I, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, when this thing, you know, kind of, you know, 
you know, COVID-19 kind of came around and stuff like that. And they was talking about a vaccine. I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Now, being African-American and stuff like that, you know, we we know the story of the Tuskegee experiments and stuff like that. So it's just kind of like, man, I, I don't know. Uh, and, and I felt like I was always going to get the vaccine, but I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. It's just like you was there was there was some worry, there was some worry. So, uh, uh, but I appreciate something you said, like you know, trust is the currency of medicine. That's that's super important, and I appreciate you saying that, man. Absolutely, no, and and it goes two ways. So, like I'll tell you, this right. is interesting about the vaccine, right? Because uh, again, I take care of um, some pretty hard up folks in my clinic. Mm-hmm. I've had literally zero patients. Uh, decide not to get the vaccine. Gotcha. Zero. And, and the reason is because, Hey, I, I start off by, you know, most of my patients know that I got a wife and I got two kids. Right. Cause right. if I want, if I want them to trust me, like I got to trust them. Right. For and sure. I usually tell them that, Hey, I got my mom vaccinated and here's kind of what I went through my thought process. And here's why I did it. You know, I tell them that I got it and sort of how that decision played out for me, how crappy I felt like you right. do right now. After right. The dose, oh, right? Yeah. So I don't, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's a big part of it to me is just being open with people and almost trust again, because it's a two way street is I almost start by telling people my stuff, right? Because then that gets them to open up. And then when they start opening up, then you find those windows. There's like, well, ah, the reason I don't want the vaccines, I, you know, I never get sick. And I say, yeah, okay. But is that true for everyone that lives in your house? Oh no. You know, my, I I live with my mom's and my mom's always getting sick. And I was like, okay, let's talk about that. Right. Or, or people will talk about Tuskegee for sure. Or they'll talk about, um, uh, you know, uh, other really deep issues. Um, but, and that goes back to that personalization thing, right? But the question is, how do you create that space? How do you um, put yourself in a position to have that person's trust? For sure. But at least what I've seen is if you can get to that place and you know, it's not that hard, you just have to care and you right. have to try. Once you get there, like people, people are just people. Right. And, and, and at least what I've seen is people will take the vaccine um, and, and, and they'll, and more important, they'll listen to the guidance that you want to provide, you know, when people know that you care, um, right. Like that, all those things, right. you know, of course, all those things, of course. No, it, it's funny. You, you mentioned that, you know, I, I think what ultimately, you know, maybe go ahead and move forward to getting the vaccine is, uh, my, my chemistry teacher from high school, you know, he passed away not too long ago, but I can hear him in my head saying, uh, Mr. Lawson, I, I don't think you can have your own opinion about science. Just trust the science. Okay. Trust the doctors. If they saying it, it's okay. So that's what kind of rung in my head, uh, when it came to that, you know, so, cause I, I wasn't the best chemistry student. So, <laughs> so I am not one to be like, you know, I gotta, you know, have my own opinion or something like that. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but it's your, it's your body though. Right. I of course. Tell, you know, I was telling a group of people the other day and I said, look, I mean, think about how abnormal, like, cause people, I, and I said, look, if you're hesitant to have the vaccine, people, a bunch of people put their hands up. I said, you're normal. Right. Right. It's like, I remember when I was in med school, people said, oh yeah, I can never be a doctor. Cause I don't like drawing blood. And I said, look, if you have a doctor who likes to draw blood and likes to see blood, get another doctor. Gotcha. Fair That's enough. not natural, right? <laughs> it it's not, not natural to want somebody to stick something in your right. body through a needle and so it's okay to be hesitant. And that's kind of the starting point I, I started Fair with. Enough. I said, it's okay. Gotcha. That's just normal. Like, gotcha. you know what I mean? Like, right. Of course. You can just be buying into anything that if someone walks in and knocks at your door and says, Hey, I have some snake oil for you. You're not supposed <laughs> to jump up and say, yeah, sign me up. Right. right. So, and, and it was funny because I think people had that reaction that you're having. And, and I think it, again, it creates a conversation. It creates an opening where you can actually talk person to person, right? It's not, you know, 
hey, well, you know, I'm the doctor. You should get a vaccine. Like, nah, man, we're past that. Gotcha. We're way past that. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I appreciate you sharing that for sure. You know, Dr. Nunn, if you would just talk about the work you do at Accolade, if you don't mind. And I know you're the chief medical officer uh, there in Startup Nation. If you want to check out what's going on at Accolade, go to Accolade.com. We have that link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. Just kind of talk about what you do there at Accolade, if you don't mind, Dr. Nundy. Absolutely. So first of all, for a lot of folks out there that are, you know, running startups themselves, I still think of Accolade as a startup, right? It was a company that started, you know, 10 years ago by an amazing group of folks. Uh, we were, you know, lucky enough to to become a public company this mm-hmm. past summer. And, you know, we're still at it. We're still growing. And I think we still have this sort of startup mentality. So I definitely deeply understand uh, your your uh, your audience here. And, and my I myself, this is actually my fourth startup. Um, you know, uh, the first that, you know, failed spectacularly, uh, <laughs> the second that went public, but I wasn't, uh, you know, an executive at that The gotcha. third that, you know, uh, is still trucking along in, in this one. So anyway, just want to say that definitely understand your, your, your audience pretty well, I, I think, that. and where they come from. Uh, and in ter- Accolade, Accolade is amazing. Accolade, you know, speaking of some of the challenges that we talked about earlier, Accolade was sort of like any great startup started with a really simple idea that was kind of genius. And again, it wasn't mine, so I can't take any credit for it. It was what they realized was that the secret front door to healthcare uh, was a place that, you know, no one knew about, which is when if you take out that insurance card that you have in your wallet and you flip it on the back and there's that phone number that says member services, mm-hmm. that that was the secret front door to healthcare. That when people call that number, they're oftentimes sort of at wit's end, right? They right. they can't get a hold of a doctor. They just found out they have breast cancer. They're trying to figure out how they can get a breast pump or something in the house. And they call that number. And what the rest of the industry was doing at the time is they were running away from that phone call. They were making it a website or an IVR screen or a robocall. And Ackley had this idea to say, well, what if when you call that number, it's picked up by a person? Mm. And what if that person wasn't just any person, it was your person? And what if that person actually had access to all of your health information, not just the medical stuff, but also stuff like how much is going to cost you? (laughs) Something that me as a doctor, I shamefully don't know for most of my patients when they ask me that question. Right. Gotcha. Now was the whole idea is, is really giving every employee and every family member their own personal health assistant, like almost like a travel agent right. from back in the day, right? Somebody who knows how to go from point A to point B in this crazy healthcare system we created, right? Whose job is this to advocate for you? Like we don't make money if the doctor makes money, right? We don't right. make more money if your employer saves money. We just want to help you get to your destination. Right. Right. Uh, and we have, again, the right people, the right process, the right technology to help you do that. And so that's what Accolade does. It's it's created the space of what we call personalized navigation and advocacy. And it really sits as a layer between, you know, employers and the big, bad health, <laughs> confusing health system right. to help people get to where they need to go on their health journey. For sure, for sure. And once again, Startup Nation, if you want to check out uh, Accolade, we have that website, accolade.com. That link is there in the show notes uh, for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And before I let you go, man, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Nundy. Thank you so much for the book. Once again, Startup Nation, the book is Care After COVID, What the Pandemic Revealed is Broken in Healthcare and How to Reinvent it. If you want to get that book, Startup Nation, that book is available now. We have a link there in the show notes 
for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. Uh, so, Dr. Nundi, I'm actually just going to turn the microphone over to you, man. I know you uh, do a professorial lecturing at, at, at George Washington and stuff like that. So we're going to put that to the test just a little bit. Uh, if you could just leave us with some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind. Absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, look, I know for a lot of businesses out there, you know, healthcare and benefits is the least sexy sort of biggest <laughs> pain in the butt, right? You know, we know the statistics that say, you know, uh, you know, for every dollar spent in this country, 18 cents is spent on healthcare. And that's coming out of a lot of your pockets, right? Um, but I think coming out of this pandemic, right, it's it's been obviously a national and a global tragedy. Right. But I think as we've talked about, what's come out of that is the healthcare systems changed more in the past year than it has in any year in its modern history. And we all have this very common understanding now, right, about how broken the healthcare system is. Right. And those two things together are creating this catalytic opportunity, right, that there is this window right now that we're in. And employers have a huge role to play there. And I'll say that when it's done well, you know, helping, I mean, I know how much small business owners care about their employees. I mean, I've seen it. Right. I even seen how Fortune 500 companies care really, really deeply because it's the people that they're, they're your people. There are people that you pass around in the hallways and, right. you know, you know about their kids and, you know, now we zoom into their bedrooms and their right. libraries and <laughs> their home offices and, right. And, and, but when, when we put the pieces together and you sort of grow into that responsibility to say, Hey, my job as a, as a manager, as an owner is to help my people be the best that they can be right. Best right. professionally, best personally, best best, best health wise. All of those things in my mind are coming together to say, like if, if there's ever a moment to sort of sh shake off the shackles of skepticism and frustration you'd have with it, do that now. Right. Let's just reset because there's a lot of, services out there. There's a lot of tools out there, a lot of new care models there that can help you get to where your employees need to get health-wise and in that way, get your businesses, you know, in the direction that you want your businesses to go. And so this is that moment to take a fresh look, uh, look at things like navigation services, look at virtual care, like we talked about. And, and, and really, I can tell you that the joy that you'll, you'll experience to be able to do that for your employees and their families. Uh, there's nothing like it. For sure. For sure. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Nundi. And that's going to wrap up our this session of the Star Black. We want to want, once again thank Chief Medical Officer uh, Dr. Shantanu Nandi and also the author of Care After COVID. Thank you so much, good sir. Thank you so much. No worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on a show, send us a message. Our contact information is there in the show notes, or feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Go ahead and follow us while you're at it. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and be sure to hit us with that five-star rating. We would really appreciate that. Be sure to check out the show's website and its startup blog where either i or some of the world's best business minds share content that will give you the edge you need in your journey whether that's the path of entrepreneurship or climbing the corporate ladder subscribe to our patreon to listen to ad-free episodes exclusive content 
and digital products that we are beginning to offer. And if you want to be part of the conversation, join the Startup Life podcast on Clubhouse to have the ability to talk directly to some of our guests. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life.